Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Among all of my favorite toys when I was a kid, and I had lots of them, right? Legos, of course, and various and sundry different sorts of balls and sporting equipment. One of my favorite things to play with was Play-Doh, right? Kids, do you guys still play with Play-Doh? Is that still a thing today? I'm glad to hear that. Play-Doh is awesome. You get to be the master artist, molding it into all sorts of different shapes. And maybe my favorite thing to do with Play-Doh was to have that device, you know the thing where you put the Play-Doh in there and then you press down onto it? I was like, what is that called? So I looked it up this week. They call it the Fun Factory. And indeed, it was a fun factory for me because you would put all these different molds on it, right? You could mold it into squares or stars or my personal favorite being a Tanetti, spaghetti. (laughs) Not nearly as delicious as you think it would be, though. So my friend tells me. So you mold it in all sorts of different ways. And you know what? One of the reasons I think that as kids, we already enjoy working with Play-Doh, molding it into all those sorts of different ways, is it reflects the heart of the God who has made us, who is at heart a master artist. We hear again and again in the scriptures, he says, I am the potter, you are the clay. Right at the very beginning of the scriptures, at the beginning of time, what's God doing? He is molding and sculpting Adam from the lifeless clay, from the, from the dust. We are made in the image of the master artist. And so it, it makes sense that we too would enjoy working even with Plato, sculpting and molding. And this is a, especially the work of the Holy Spirit. The work of the Spirit is to sculpt the lives of God's people into the likeness of our Lord Jesus. You know, I think sometimes people misunderstand who the Holy Spirit is and what he's about. For some folks, the Spirit can just be about kind of religious pyrotechnics, right? And great signs and gifts and things that are are really fascinating and cool. Well, on the other hand, there are folks who act as though like the Holy Spirit doesn't even exist. As though we aren't Trinitarian Christians, but Binitarian Christians. We believe in the Father and the Son, but the Holy Spirit, he's just kind of a weird thing that we don't talk about. He's like that strange uncle, right? I'm not going to start singing in canto. You know what I'm talking about. Uh, But instead, we believe in the Holy Spirit who is the sculptor of the faith. And I've learned on this from a a great theologian and teacher, a man by the name of Leopoldo Sanchez, and his book, Sculptor Spirit. Dr. Sanchez is a teacher at Concordia Seminary, my alma mater, and he was also a speaker up here at Camp Arcadia this past summer in which he talked about the work of the Spirit sculpting us shaping us, even as we like to shape the Play-Doh. And in our reading today from Acts, the story of the coming of the Holy Spirit, we see some of what Dr. Sanchez calls some different molds or models, ways that the Spirit shapes us. In his book, he sets out five different molds or models for the Spirit's work of sculpting us. But in our reading, I want to focus on three of these molds, what he calls the devotional model, the sacrificial model, and the hospitality model. So I want to walk through our scripture reading and see these different models at work because each one of them also addresses and counteracts a prevailing temptation or or bias or problem in our age, in our culture. And so I want to see how these different models, ways that the Spirit is molding you and me so that we might have a fuller sense of what it means for us to be shaped by the Holy Spirit 
rather than by the ways of the world. So if you'd like to pull out your worship folder and turn to that reading from Acts chapter 2, we're going to be walking through there and looking at, at some of these different ways in which the Spirit is at work there. The first model present in our text that, that Dr. Sanchez talks about is what he calls the devotional model. The devotional model. And this is more alluded to and implicit in our text than really explicit. The de devotional model is this model in which the Spirit is shaping us in a rhythm of work and rest. A rhythm of receiving and responding. So that more and more we are being molded according to the likeness of our Lord Jesus, who is ever and always resting in the Abba, in God the Heavenly Father. In this devotional model, the Spirit is sculpting you to be the sort of person who's able to live rhythmically according to receiving and responding. But where do we see this in the text? Well, it's kind of hinted at in the circumstances of these events of Acts chapter 2. So it says in verse 1, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Now, why are they already together in one place? How did they know it was going to be Pentecost? Well, what happened here? Well, see, Pentecost was an Old Testament festival. It already existed. This was part of God's plan and his intent from the Old Testament days. See, God has this heart for his people to be able to rest in him. He appointed that weekly day of rest, which we call the Sabbath, right? This opportunity when his people would stop, would cease from all of their toil, all of their labor, in order that he might go to work on them, that they might receive from him. But he also gave them these annual festivals, Things like the festival of Passover and also the festival of, of Pentecost. They're all gathered together and they're ready to receive. You notice the coming of the Holy Spirit, it doesn't happen when all of God's people were, were actively getting out there saving the world for Jesus. It comes, it happens. God does this powerful work precisely when they're just waiting Waiting for him to come. Waiting in accordance with what Jesus had told them to do. Waiting in obedience to the Lord's word. They are waiting to receive. This is that devotional model of the Spirit. The way that he is molding us as people who wait on him. Who receive from him. And then, out of that reception, are able to respond. I think that this is such a vital, necessary way for us to think about the Holy Spirit's work, particularly in our contemporary age, in which we have this kind of cultural epidemic, which is following fast on the heels of the, the COVID epidemic, and it's an epidemic of burnout. Now, if you follow the news, you, you like to read those long articles in magazines and online, you'll see that this is a topic that comes up again and again and again. As people are talking about how across our society, in all sorts of, of different areas of employment, people are feeling burned out. Doctors are burned out. Teachers are burned out. Pastors are burned out. Even candle makers are burned out. Thank you. Yes, we'll be here all week. This burnout is across our society as all sorts of folks are feeling a sense of we're going, 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 doing, doing, doing without also being recharged and re-energized. But when we are sculpted according to this devotional mold and model, the work of the Holy Spirit, we don't live out of rhythm but instead live in that rhythm of receiving and then responding, of rest and then work. 
That's how God wants to shape us. This is why he has given us this gift of Sabbath. So that each week as we gather together, as our great physician says, okay, you guys, just stop, stop, and let me go to work on you in order to recharge you, in order to, to bind up your wounds. Then you'll be able to go out into the world and to serve well, not going with an empty tank, but instead continually recharged, re-energized, and refilled from our Lord. If you've been feeling that sense of burnout, Maybe it's because you need to lean in a little bit more to this devotional mode of the Spirit's sculpting work in you. Allow yourself to rest and receive from Him, and then you'll be able to serve well. So that's the first mold or model that we see in our text here, the way of the Spirit's working. The second one, as the text goes on, is what Dr. Sanchez calls the sacrificial mold or the sacrificial model. And just like it sounds like, the sacrificial model is the Holy Spirit sculpting you and me after the pattern of our Lord Jesus, who lives according to that self-giving, sacrificial love, as Jesus is ever and always pouring himself out for the sake of others. And so when the Spirit molds us in this sacrificial way, we also are ready to be poured out for the sake of our neighbors. And this is the language that Scripture will often use to describe it. It's this language of, of filling and pouring out. And it's there in Acts chapter 2. You notice it in a couple of places. There in, in verse 2, it says, Suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And again, the tongues of fire come on them. And in verse 4, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Spirit gave them utterance. And later on in Acts chapter 2, it will speak again about how the Holy Spirit was poured out on the disciples. This language is evoking this kind of sacrificial mold. As you and I, as the disciples of Jesus, are filled with the Spirit the way that a, a pitcher is filled with water. Not for the sake of itself, but precisely so that it can be poured out for the sake of others. That's the rhythm, that's the, the pattern of this sacrificial model. And I think it is so necessary in our contemporary age where we have this kind of sanctified, if you will, sense of selfishness that we just call individualism, right? And in that case, well, it's okay. It's good just to, to look out for your own. Ann and I, we were flying recently and we were flying on an airline that shall not be named Delta. And um, as, we were, as we were going down the, the tunnel to get onto the plane, there were these posters plastered along there as you're waiting to, um, to get on the plane. And the, the posters have all these people who are looking out wistfully out the window, holding a drink in their hands. There's no rough air, so it's nice and, and good. And what it says on those posters is, enjoy some me time, right? In all these posters, you don't see the screaming children anywhere, but it's, it's an opportunity for you to enjoy some me time. And it really resonates with us culturally, doesn't it? We're always looking for some me time. How can I look out for number one? How, how can I take care of myself, right? But this sacrificial model pushes back against that. It says you receive in order to respond. You rest in order that you're able to pour yourself out for the sake of others. This is that rhythm of the Christian life. It's the sacrificial, cruciform shape after the pattern of our Lord Jesus. And when I think about what that looks like, 
in my mind's eye. Again, we've talked about Play-Doh, and now I'm thinking about one of my favorite places to go with the kids. Probably our favorite place is Frankenmuth. Would that be fair to say, kids? Well, if, if so, our second favorite place is the Great Wolf Lodge. You guys know the Great Wolf Lodge over there in Traverse City and elsewhere? And in the water park at the Great Wolf Lodge, they have this ginormous bucket, okay? And what is the purpose of this ginormous bucket? It slowly gets filled with water. Drip, 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 drip. So that every five or ten minutes, this huge bucket holding probably hundreds of gallons of water then pours out to the great joy of the children and the terror of their parents and old people who are there in the, the water park. But see, this is kind of a picture of the Christian life in a way. The Holy Spirit is continuing to fill us with those gifts of God, those gifts of forgiveness of sins and life and salvation. According to that devotional model and mold, we are receiving from the Lord. But why? So that we might pour ourselves out for the sake of others, hopefully to their delight and not their terror. But this is that pattern and that rhythm. We receive, we are filled, so that then we can be poured out in order to be a blessing for the sake of others. That's the sacrificial mold and model that the Spirit is sculpting you after the pattern and likeness of your Lord Jesus. So we have these, these different molds, the way that the Spirit is molding and shaping us, whether it be in that devotional mold, the sacrificial mold, and then a third mold and model that Dr. Sanchez lifts up from our Acts text is what he calls the hospitality mold and model. Now, in this hospitality model of the Spirit's work in your life, this is where you are being patterned and shaped after the likeness of our Lord Jesus, who is ever and always welcoming the stranger, who seems to have a special care and concern for the outcast and the marginalized, welcoming them, receiving them into the kingdom of God. And this really is the heart of the, the story of Acts chapter 2 and that sending of the Spirit. As it goes on with that long text and all of those people with names that are hard to pronounce, right? From places like Mesopotamia and Phrygia and Pamphylia and all these different spots. But what it's reflecting here is the heart of our God who desires to welcome people of all tribes and nations and languages and races so that they would all be received into the kingdom of God. What we see here in Acts chapter 2 is now the Spirit comes and they are able to pronounce and to proclaim the mighty acts of the Messiah in all of these different languages. It's an act of hospitality as our God is hospitably receiving and reaching out to folks from all different tribes and languages, Jew and Gentile, Arabs and Cretans, all of them received into the kingdom of God. This is such an important message for us as the people of God to hear and to receive, that we do not receive this gift of God in order to hoard it for ourselves, just to, to cling to it as though it was only our special possession and property. But we have received in order to give. We have been welcomed by Christ in order that we might welcome others. And this too is a challenge for our Christian church in America not to be a people of exclusion, but instead of embrace. And we can learn from Leo Sanchez's own experience. So Dr. Sanchez is himself a Panamanian immigrant. He's an immigrant from the, the country of Panama to the United States. And when he came to the US, he came to, of all places, Iowa. And in Iowa, as you can imagine, 
he didn't exactly look like everybody else who was around him. He had moved to a small farming community, and he experienced a, a fair amount of alienation and exclusion, as folks just didn't know what to do with this guy who didn't look like them, who, who didn't talk like them. Even among some Christians, he felt that cold shoulder. But he also experienced the Christian church at its best, as there was this Lutheran family of farmers who welcomed Leo Sanchez into their own home as part of their family. And it's funny, he recounts how he knew the moment when he had really been received as one of them. And it wasn't what you might expect. It wasn't a time when they sat down and they said something like, tell us how you really feel. Or, or let us hear your story. We want to know what your experience is like. That's not what it was. He knew that he had really been embraced and included as part of their family when they said, Leo, clean the pigsty. <laughs> because in that opportunity to serve, he recognized that he was regarded as an equal, as a fellow brother in Christ, wherever he might come from, whatever he might look or sound like. And that's the challenge and the invitation for all of us as the body of Christ, to receive and to welcome the outsider, the outcast, and the stranger, and to say that as we have been received, so you too, because no one is a stranger in the kingdom of God, even if we might look a little bit strange. And that brings me to, to one last thought. This wasn't one of Dr. Sanchez's molds or models, but it's something I want to say, especially for our confirmands today, about the Spirit's work in you. It was a number of years back, I was in Grand Rapids with a friend of mine, and it was late at night, it's practically the middle of the night, and we're walking the streets of Grand Rapids for reasons I, I can't really recall. I think it was maybe after a, after a concert or something. And the town is, of course, empty, except as we're walking along the sidewalk, we see this one guy, the kind of guy you might see on the street of Grand Rapids in the middle of the night. And so we both, my friend and I, are both trying to just not make eye contact with this guy, right? We're walking down the sidewalk, like, just ignore him, you know, don't look at him, he won't see you. But the guy insists on being seen. And he gets right up in front of us, and he makes eye contact with me in particular, and he has these, these wild, beady, glowing eyes. And he looks me in the eyes and he says, Brother, I've got a word of knowledge for you. I said, okay. This is not what I expected to happen in the middle of the night in Grand Rapids, but here we are. He says, i got a word of knowledge for you. The truth shall set you freaky. <laughs> and you know what? He's not wrong. You see, at the end of this story, as we let, leave it off in Acts chapter 2, when the Spirit comes, the disciples are, are filled with that gift of God, and they're speaking in all these different languages. Many of those who were gathered there were amazed and marveled at what the Lord had done. And others said, these guys are drunk. <laughs> they looked at them and thought, how strange, how weird these people are. A little bit freaky. And you know what? If you are going to live according to God's truth, if you are going to walk according to the Spirit in our world today, you're going to get that same accusation. My teacher, Will Williman, says, and I've quoted this before, he says that one of the most important things that we can tell our kids, if they're going to be Christians in this day and age, they're going to be weird. They're going to be weird. And you have to embrace it and own it. 
Similarly, Flannery O'Connor once said, the truth shall make you odd. Maybe the guy was just quoting or paraphrasing from her. The truth shall make you odd. It's going to make you, set you freaky. It's going to set you at odds with the world. Don't turn back. Don't shrink back. Don't be ashamed of that, guys, or any of us. See, you have been called and claimed by the Holy Spirit. In baptism, God said, you belong to me. He's called you out of the world to belong to him and to be part of the kingdom of God. Yes, you are going to look different. That's okay, because this is the permission of Pentecost. The permission of Pentecost is that because you have been set apart and set free by this work outside of yourself, you are free, free to rest in him and to receive from God, free to live according to that rhythm where you receive and then respond, pouring yourself out for the sake of your neighbor. You have been set free to welcome the neighbor and the outcast and the stranger. And yes, you have been set free to be weird. So God bless you in this weird way of faith, our confirmands and all of us, as we are sculpted and molded by the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And may the peace of God that surpasses all understanding keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Amen. We stand to confess our faith.